I'm not going to be able to do that very efficiently. And I'm not going to be able to go very fast because that's very, very challenging to run up a hill of that, uh, of that steepness. And so, you know, I think it's, as runners, we tend to think the harder, the better, the more complex, the more intense, the more badass, the better. And that's not necessarily the case. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Before we get into this episode, if you are looking for a nutritional advantage to increase mental focus, strength, and endurance during those runs and decrease the recovery time between those hard effort sessions, you will want to check out Perform from the Amino Company. Later on in this episode, I will tell you more about Perform and how it can help you stay focused, get harder workouts in, and improve overall recovery on your journey of becoming a stronger, faster, lifelong, injury-free runner. Or you can check out the research for yourself at aminoco.com slash healthy runner. If you have ever struggled to run up hills or want to learn how to start hill training for running, this is the episode for you. Maybe you want to learn uh, how to get stronger for running uphill or really what muscles you should strengthen uh, for hill training. Welcome to episode 175 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I have the pleasure of having a repeat guest back on the show who is just awesome. Uh, Elizabeth is a marathoner, a coach, and an answer seeker. Um, Welcome back to the show, Elizabeth Scott. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here again. I'm excited to have you back on. Um, Last time you were on the show was back in episode 148, and we kind of did more of a a big picture view and chatted about like, you know, your running story, your background, how your personal struggles with addiction, overcoming injuries, 
kind of falling back into um, or backwards into running um, and really starting the business running explained and talked about a little bit of kind of your Boston qualifying uh, marathon and some of the setbacks that you had as a runner. So it was a, a very, um, I think, a nice peek behind the curtain, if you will, of kind of who you are, um, why you do what you do today at Running Explained. Um, so if you are listening to this and you enjoy what Elizabeth has to say, I highly recommend you check out some of her backstory um, in episode 148. Um, so I am excited to kind of bring you uh, back on the show to really talk about a specific topic today, uh, which is hill training. And you do such a wonderful job on your podcast on kind of sharing, you know, the why, the when, the how, um, and, and, and what are different types of things that we should be doing as runners to really, you know, grow as a runner. And once I, I knew that we really have never done a hill training specific topic before on the podcast. I was like, I have the perfect person. Um, so thank you for accepting my invite uh, to come back on the show. Well, hills are near and dear to my heart since I live on a neighborhood that is literally named something mountain. So I have a lot of experience running hills and coaching people to run hills and hilly races and all the things that it takes to, to conquer the hills. Yeah, so in in really today's episode, um, we're gonna really fill um, everyone's kind of running bucket. Um, we talk about like six steps to grow as a runner on the show, and one of those steps is our training or our running that we're actually doing. And we really try to you know maximize this around really optimizing our four basic types of runs, such as kind of the easy run, the long run, the tempo run, the interval run, but then there is hill training. So this is kind of beyond the basics of kind of mastering those essential elements of running and the actual runs that we're doing. So before we kind of get into that, can you catch us up on what you've been doing uh, since November and what you have just uh, completed yourself? Yeah. So I just ran, I just ran the Boston marathon. So speaking of Hills uh, and this is my first time running Boston and uh, it was a really incredible experience running these majors is always a lot of fun, um, being in the city and seeing all the people and connecting with all the different runners. And so that's, that's the thing that's kind of occupied the biggest chunk of my personal time recently. And I'm now about a week post race. One of my first run back today, feeling pretty good, obviously not fully recovered because you're not going to recover from your marathon after just a week. It takes longer than that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to head into a summer of what I'm calling my summer of strength. I'm very excited. I bought a squat rack. We're going to get into some heavy, heavy lifting, uh, in my, in my house and with the business, things are growing six coaches on my team, uh, expanding new offerings is a masterclass on planning your training year for people who are self-coached and struggle to understand how to put multiple training cycles together. So a lot of pots on the stove. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congrats on the business uh, growth and congrats to your Boston Marathon. Um, I actually listened to your recap episode uh, during my run uh, at the end of last week. I think after it dropped, um, I think it was on my long run. I was listening to it and uh, I thought it was a great recap and 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 kind of getting the full picture and how we kind of reflect after um, our marathons and our races 
And I thought you did a really great job at kind of going through like all the emotions that we go through as runners and how sometimes we can be, uh, uh, you know, hard on ourselves. Right. And um, I really enjoyed listening to that episode. So if uh, you've ever uh, finished a marathon and, you know, we're going through and trying to like filter through all those emotions that happen. I thought that was a great episode to check out as well as just hearing about, you know, some of the, the Boston specific uh, hills, which, uh, you know, we're going to get into a little bit today and how you did prepare for that and some of the training that was included in kind of your Boston marathon training block. But, um, you know, like, like Kipchoge, you know, you, you were, you, were really transparent in, you know, some of the struggles that you had on the course um, as well. So I enjoyed listening to some of that as, you know, many of us were kind of, uh, you know, really distracted on that Monday and wasn't the most productive workday uh, for many folks. So I really enjoyed uh, hearing your, you know, story in that episode. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah. So let's get into today's topic. And I guess let's just start with the basics of you know, what is hill training? Hill training. So I love that you brought up Boston, uh, in that. So I think often we talk about becoming a better runner on hills nine times out of 10, your mind goes to uphill, right? But hills encompassing becoming a really good runner with hills encompasses both running uphill and downhill. I think a large part of our conversation today is probably going to focus more on the uphill part, right? Um, but we can talk about some downhill stuff as well. So hill training is essentially just layering in hills into your training. And there's a variety of ways one can do that. But I think it's very important to remember that hills are hard. When you are running up a hill, you are fighting against gravity, just like it's like running upstairs, but you're running up a ramp, right? You are a hill. Running a hill is going to be harder than running on flat ground. So I like that you kind of, you mentioned kind of the framework of the different types of runs we can do. We can do easy runs. We can do long runs. We can do moderate tempo runs. We can do interval runs. So hills can be a separate thing like, oh, I do this hill specific thing. Maybe it's a, a post-run hill sprints, or I like to call them hard up hills, more of a drill. Or you can also layer hills into any one of those other runs. Now, it's not going to be as common that you'd have a hilly track workout, for example, right? But layering hills into obviously your easy runs, your long runs, and some of those workouts, if you're prepared for it, can be a way to add a little, I want to say oomph, little oomph into your training, but also is going to prepare you to run races that are hilly and generally make you a more well-rounded, stronger, more efficient runner. All right. So what I'm hearing there is, is it's not only one specific type of way to do hill training. I'm hearing, you know, there is more of a really diverse way that we can integrate hills into our training um, whether that is into the runs that we're already doing or that we are having a separate type of um, training run that really focuses on those hills. Um, okay. And when would or why would, you know, someone consider adding hill training into your running workouts? Like, let's just say someone doesn't live like where we live in Connecticut, where there's like pretty much hills all around. Ton of hills. not that many flat areas, um, in Connecticut. And, but there are a lot of runners, a lot of Floridian runners, for instance, uh, who are like, everything's flat, um, except their bridges. Um, you know, why would you consider really, if you're a runner adding some of the hill training into your uh, workouts? 
And I can totally identify. I used to be a Floridian runner myself. I used to live in Orlando, and it was not uncommon to run 10 miles and maybe gain 14 total feet of elevation. Uh, so, <laughs> and at the time, you know, I didn't think I needed to add hills because all the races I was running were flat, right? Why would I need to run hills because all my races are flat? First off, I understand that, right? So one of the things we want to make sure is that we're practicing this principle of specificity, right? So if we're training for a specific race, we want to make sure we're training for the demands of that specific event. And if your race is pancake flat, do you need to do an absolute crap ton of hills in your training? Probably not. However, for every runner, adding some hills somewhere into their training is likely going to benefit them, even if it's something, like I said, as simple as post-run hard uphills, which are simply more like a drill-like strides to work on things like your form and economy and power generation, your turnover, all these things in this neat little package. And then, of course, extending all the way to the other end of the spectrum, if you're training for an event that contains a significant number of hills, let's use the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon as an example, where you know that you're going to need to run up and down multiple hills at race pace over and over and over again. That's something that you need to do in training as well. So really, when we talk about the spectrum and variety of ways and when you would include hills in your training, there is a lot of flexibility and variation here. But I think the takeaway should be, in my opinion, I'm going to say almost, almost every runner should be including hills somewhere in their training in some form or another. All right. So really specificity of training you kind of mentioned, especially if you're running a hilly race, uh, we definitely need to expose our bodies to those demands of running on a hill um, in your training if you're going to be doing that in your race. But you also kind of mentioned, you know, the that it will be beneficial for most runners to add in um, hill training into their workouts. Is there any... Um, you know, benefits to, to hill training, I guess, beyond um, any, you know, whether it's psychological benefits, uh, physiologic benefits, um, you know, are there any specific benefits that you see um, besides just like running a hilly race that you would program in for your athletes? Definitely. I mean, if any of my athletes are listening to this, like they all know what hills look like in their training. <laughs> um, yes. So, Running hills in some form or another, whether you're doing something that is short and very hard, and I'm, by short, I mean maybe 15 seconds, right? Very short. Or maybe you're doing something that includes very long, kind of moderate graduate. You're you know, running uphill for like half a mile or maybe more, kind of a moderate incline. We haven't even mentioned the different types of inclines. Is it a steep hill? Is it a gradual hill? That sort of thing. But running on hills, research shows, has a myriad of benefits. Um, it improves your form. It's very hard to run up a hill with bad form, right? So for runners who are working on improving form and efficiency in their biomechanics, running up a hill is one of the best things you can do to kind of force them to run most efficiently in their running form. You can improve your economy. So basically a measure of how much energy we use to run. Running, um, including hills in your training can improve your running economy, not just on hills, but like overall. So you are more efficient. You expend less energy at the same pace or effort. Um, it literally can build strength. Like I said, it does not replace strength training, but it can build strength because as, like I said, when you're running up a hill, you are fighting against gravity is kind of an extra layer of, of challenge to what you're asking your body to do. Um, 
has a lot to do with, like I said, you know, kind of that power generation and can help recruit kind of more muscle fibers uh, in your big muscle groups, right? The big, the glutes and the quads and the big muscle groups that we use to run. Um, And of course, running hills is mentally challenging, right? There's, there's a reason that hills are a metaphor for many things that we talk about in life that are challenging because they are a challenge to run them. And so feeling like you are strong mentally that you can conquer the hill instead of letting it conquer you, that's a huge win for your training in a mental uh, aspect as well. Oh, I love that. And I love that you added that mental challenge because that's one of the things that in our kind of our, our six steps to growing as a runner, like one is mindset. And that's like the mental challenge. And we need to train the mind during training in order to overcome the hard obstacles that we are definitely going to have, as you just witnessed last week in Boston, right? During your race. And I love that you brought in that mental challenge part because for a lot of runners I work with too, I, I do like to add in those elements and make sure that they can overcome those challenges in training before they get to the race. Um, So I love that you added that. And so improving running form. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, You know, definitely running downhill, it's a little easier, but it's really hard to run uphill and have like the most common form error, which is overstriding. Like it's really hard to overstride running up a hill. Um, It's almost like virtually impossible. Um, I'm sure someone can probably do it, but uh, it is really hard. So, you know, I see a lot of beginner runners who have shin splints or who have runner's knee, um, IT band syndrome, who are just overstriding a lot with their running form. So absolutely adding that incline can really help improve that form. So I, I love that as well as the definitely the strength aspect too, because you are recruiting those muscles, as you mentioned. So there are these benefits, uh, runners, of doing hills. Um, so even if you say I'm never going to run a hilly race or, you know, um, I live in a flat area and I really never have to encounter hills, um, maybe adding in some hill training into your running may actually improve some element, other elements of running. So adding a little variety, variety, what, what do they say? Spice of life, right? I wanted to take a quick pause from this episode to talk about a topic that I am extremely passionate about, and that is strength training in order to run so we can improve our performance by running faster or running longer. And we can also prevent the all too common stubborn running related injuries when we do the strength training. So do you want to know how I get in my strength training, how I remain focused for my gym sessions, and how I'm able to recover after the hard marathon specific training that I've been working on? I've been using Amino Company's product Perform for over two years now as a truly healthy pre-workout as opposed to some of those crazy, highly caffeinated drinks that you're going to see out there that just give you jitters and then you wind up crashing. Perform is an essential amino acid-based formulation that I simply add to water, I throw it in my shaker bottle, and I have it 30 minutes before a run or a gym workout. It tastes great and is extremely easy on your stomach. Perform helps improve mental focus, peak strength, endurance, reduces fatigue, and increases muscle protein synthesis so you can recover faster from your runs or your strength sessions. And I'm not just saying that from like an N is one, my personal experience. I actually brought on one of the leaders in amino acid research, Dr. Robert Wolf on the show back in episode 92 of the podcast. If you want a deep dive on the effects, the literature, 
tune in, listen to my chat with Dr. Wolf. You'll be as impressed as I was. And I wanted to make sure that I was putting something that was actually healthy into my body. And so I checked out the real research and the science on this product. And since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, you can save 30% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to aminoco.com forward slash healthy runner. You have to use the special link I put in the show notes to get your 30% off and use the code healthy runner. Now go ahead and give perform a try. I know you're going to love it just as much as I have. Now let's get back into this episode. So when is the best time to really start running hills um, specifically? like whether it's a training cycle or a calendar year, like when do we get intentional in doing some hill training? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a bad idea to think about hills as a, as a foundational part of your training year round, right? Does that mean that we should be going out and doing monster hill workouts when we're like in an off season? Absolutely not. But this is one of those things where it kind of depends on the philosophy that you ascribe to and how you tend to periodize your training and whether you're more of a kind of linear, linear periodization thing, like one skill at a time, right? So in a classic uh, linear periodization, you would say, I work on this skill and then I do this skill, right? So you build your aerobic base and then you would work on hills and then you would do some, right? So instead of doing that, I think we're, we're, we're moving now towards this more kind of reverse linear periodization or like year round, we're kind of keeping some elements of every system that we're trying to work in our training in some aspect. So ideally, I'd love to see runners, including hills year round. And this can be as simple as something, like I said, like maybe you just choose a hilly route for one of your easy runs every week or every other week. Maybe you're including things like those post-run hard uphills, four or six times by 15 seconds hard uphill, walk or jog back to start. Like it really doesn't have to be significant. It can just be just these tiny dose of something that kind of keeps your keeps you efficient, keeps kind of the fire burning, keeps you in shape for running hills. Now, obviously, going back to that principle of specificity, if you're training for something specifically that requires you to be very efficient on hills, you then need to consider what that means. If you are running a race that contains hills, what is the course profile of this race? Is it rolling hills? Is it just a few massive climbs, right? Where in the race are they? Is it the beginning when you're super fresh? At the end, when, you're, when your legs are about to give out. And organizing your training around what that specifically is going to look like for you on race day will help inform how it should show up in your training. So one of the best things I like to do in training for runners who are doing as we're kind of building that progressive overload and moving towards, you know, making things more challenging. I think a lot of people, like I said, hills are hard, right? Hills add a challenge. So let's say you're training for a half marathon and your long runs are getting up in distance and your, your half marathon isn't like super hard, but it's got some rolling hills. As we're building up our long runs, let's say for an intermediate runner, we would do something like Let's say we'll run 10 miles at easy effort. And then maybe next week we do 10 miles with rolling hills. And then a couple of weeks later, we do 10 miles on rolling hills with some work at half marathon pace. So kind of like making sure that we are gradually adding in these different elements of challenge, one of the elements of challenge being hills, and not just like assuming that hills don't count. They do count and they add a layer of complexity and we don't, we weren't making sure that we're not like dumping in too many challenge elements all at the same time as we are progressing our training. 
Okay. All right. So what I'm hearing there is that there's no one answer for when's the best time, but it should be thought about in kind of your yearly plan and be a foundational element that is integrated in some form or fashion throughout your calendar year, depending upon where you are in your race training cycle. But I love that example that you gave um, with the half marathon training and how you would kind of program that where, you know, you're covering the 10 flat, then you're doing rolling hills, then we're increasing the complexity of running faster on some of those rolling hills with doing some miles at half marathon pace. Um, Okay. So that's definitely beneficial. Would you say, because I hear runners doing a lot of Or I guess my first question to you is because as you were saying this, I just wanted to make sure that I'm understanding correctly. You had mentioned twice now about the end of your run, maybe doing like 15 seconds, you know, we're doing some hill repeats um, where you're going up four times and then coming down. So would you think of that as something like you would do strides at the end of a maybe easy run or maybe at the end of a long run for someone who is pretty well advanced and they're like comfortable at that distance, um, for their long runs. Yeah. So I do think of hard and I call them hard uphills and the people call them hill sprints or hill strides or power uphills or like there's, it's, it's the same thing. Right. And they are similar to a stride in that they're technically more of a drill more than anything else. Cause they're so short and they do very specific things that are not necessarily about building up any of the energy systems specifically that you might need, like 10, 15 seconds of running, you're pretty much relying on your alactic system. Like it's not right. We're not, you're not building aerobic capacity running for 15 seconds, but these types of hard uphills, yes, are kind of like strides after an easy effort run or a long run. If you're more advanced, I don't really have my runners do much after their long runs, unless they're like really up there. And there's a really specific reason that we're going to do it. But this is a very similar, uh, similar concept to strides. Unlike strides, though, when we're doing something like a a hard uphill, these very short, hard uphill efforts, you don't start with an acceleration. You start with just go like you're kind of off the blocks as if you were a sprinter. You start power from the first step and you and you kind of start strong and stay strong throughout the whole 15 or even 20 seconds, depending on how long um, the specific rep is for you. And then typically you would, you know, walk or jog return to start. We want Things like this, these drill type, um, I don't even saw them workouts, things like strides or these hard uphills, you want to be fully recovered in between because the point of doing things like strides or or post-run hills is not to generate, it's not to create fatigue, it's to work the systems efficiently and to do that you want to be recovered. So taking a minute, 90 seconds between each rep is preferred in most cases, right? So, you know, ideally what we're going to do is progress in those. So you're going to start kind of medium strong. I like to do when I do my post run, I always do them by my right outside my house because I live on a hill and I, I do them and I start at this one very specific storm grate. And I know that my first one, I'm going to get to that, the second driveway, and then I'm going to get past the second driveway, and then I'm going to get to the bush, right? So if ideally you're just kind of extending and like working a little bit harder every single time, because ideally the last one that you should do be the strongest, hardest one that you do. 
but you're covering the same, you're more distance in the same amount of time. That's how, for me, that's how I know that I am executing my, my uh, post run hard up hills correctly. But yeah, it is more like, it is a drill more like strides and it's, it's incredibly, this amazingly powerful little package of benefits in a tiny little work. Like it's what? seven, maybe 10 total minutes for doing six by 20 seconds with full rest in between. Like you can get so many benefits from this tiny little thing that you're doing maybe once or twice a week. Right. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. And, and really your main goal, your rationale is, is more to kind of work on form, right. And improve form like you would um, more like a form drill, like strides. Um, it's just a little different form that you're working on, but I love how you clarify kind of we're not ex- gradually accelerating up you're just like hitting hitting it hard right like off the blocks and just trying to um get up that hill okay so that's kind of one um form of how to do hill runs or hill training you know how what are some other forms you know how do we train for hill runs or how do we really like implement um this type of training yeah. So like I kind of mentioned rolling hills and rolling hills, people get really confused. They're like, no, tell me exactly what that means and how many feet I should like, look, I say the best advice for people who have hills available to them in their backyard, run the hills that are available to you in your backyard, right? As you expand the routes you have available to you, depending on where you live, you know, you'll probably be able to put together routes that are more hilly or less hilly routes that have probably that one giant climb runs that are kind of like, like I said, rollers, literally rolling up and down, you know, kind of like a, I'm going to say I'm doing with my finger here, like rolling waves. Right. Um, and all Hills, all Hills are good. There's no such thing as a bad Hill. All Hills are beneficial. I would caution people to think that steeper Hills are, are better somehow though. Steep Hills are very challenging depending on the steepness of the Hill and how, how fit you are. Um, it could be that you've chosen to run hills that are so steep, it actually is going to be working against you because at a certain like, you know, incline, right? If I'm trying to run up a 15% grade hill, I'm not going to be able to do that very efficiently. And I'm not going to be able to go very fast because that's very, very challenging to run up a hill of that, uh, of that steepness. And so, you know, I think it's, as runners, we tend to think the harder, the better, the more complex, the more intense, the more badass, the better. And that's not necessarily the case, right? So kind of, you know, think about, you don't have to go find the hardest hill in your neighborhood and go run up and down that. But any hills that you have available will do for you. Rolling hills, you want to get that up in the downhill. We know we kind of touched on downhill requires um, a, a slightly different way of running. A lot of that, uh, Downhill running is going to involve your quadriceps a lot, a lot of um, shock absorption and braking force and eccentric contractions. And running downhill efficiently is its own set of skills that you need to practice if your race contains a lot of downhills. But um, like I said, kind of the best way to start incorporating hills in your training is to simply start including a route or routes in your in your regular runs, your easy effort runs that contain hills. Now, the biggest kind of question I get about this is that, well, if I'm going on an easy run and I run up a hill, I'm not in my easy zone anymore. And this is uh, a really common, and for me, like the neighborhood I live in, yeah, I, there are some hills that I, I still can't run and stay in my easy effort zone. They're, they're not in significant hills. For those runners, I really have, you know, kind of two, we have two options here. So if we're on an easy effort run and we're trying and we're running a hilly route and we're trying to stay in our easy effort zone, what do we do? Should we walk? Maybe. That's not a bad idea, right? Over time, as your aerobic fitness increases, you will likely be able to run more of that hill before needing to take a walk break. 
Additionally, if you are running up this hill and you find that your heart rate, you know, your effort is maybe climbing into that mid moderate zone, right? Like you're working, but it's not, you're not crazy sky high, right? You're not at 5k effort, not maxing yourself out. And you're only there for a minute or two. And then you're recovering, you know, you hit the crest and maybe it's flat or maybe it's downhill. And then you're recovering really well afterwards. Your heart rate drops, your effort drops, you're good to go. That's fine, right? Because part of, part of becoming more efficient on the hill is running the hill. What I, what I get really kind of ooky about is runners who said, well, you told me to run hills, but now all my easy runs are hard, right? And then I look at their data and they're running their hill. They're all in like zone four, right? So they're just like, you know, sprinting up these hills. It's okay to slow down on the hills. And it's okay. It's remember that everything has to be in balance. So there is going to be some trade-off. If you choose to include hills in your route and you're building that fitness on hills, you're going to need to slow down. And that's completely okay. Some hills you may have to walk. That's completely okay. Over time, what I said, we're going to improve that economy on the hills and the flats. We're going to improve that strength. We're going to improve our ability to run hills more efficiently so that in the long term, what we're doing is making ourselves into better runners on the hills and on flats as well. So the hills will get easier over time where our effort level and our heart rate, if we're doing heart rate training or kind of keying into that metric, won't spike as high. Right. Ideally, that is the goal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and I think the frustration for a lot of runners is that this takes longer than they want, you know, and then some I, I sometimes we get in this kind of self-defeating loop like, oh, that hill is hard and it's always hard. And no matter what I do, I can never seem, you know, to master that hill. And then we get really kind of down on ourselves about it. And I think it's really important to remember that we're talking about gaining fitness, improving economy, like all these kind of sciencey coachy buzzwords is we're literally talking about your body changing on a cellular level, on an atomic level. And that doesn't happen overnight. Your mitochondria don't just appear. They have to be built and that takes time. So being consistent and just continuing to incorporate these types of things in your training, like hills, are just going to make you more efficient in the long run. It's not overnight, but it will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I do the same as far as, you know, making sure that my runners do probably slow down um, on the hill. So they're not expending extreme effort levels, especially. And I guess I'd be remiss to not mention this, um, the physical therapist in me, if you are recovering from an injury still or have a little niggle, um, and especially if it's your Achilles um, you know, that is one injury that tends to not do well running uphill, um, just because of the, the flexion mobility in your ankle and the amount of power that the Achilles is going to generate as you go up that hill. Um, so just kind of making sure that, you know, you are keeping it in your effort level that it should be from not only like an aerobic training standpoint, but from a tendon loading standpoint and allow your body to adapt to the demands of hill training. So if this is the first time you're like listening to this episode, you're like, Coach Elizabeth, awesome hills, let's do it. You're right, mind over matter, I'm going to do this hill. Um, you know, definitely progression is key and uh, making sure that you are implementing these um, in the right effort level as well. Um, so I like that you kind of mentioned that before and I like how you talked about kind of starting with just integrating some rolling hills into, you know, some of the easy runs. 
I hope you are enjoying this episode and it is providing value for you. I wanted to take a brief moment to share a story of a real runner like you who is struggling with a common problem that you may be facing. Here is one of our athletes who got the guidance, support, and accountability from our Healthy Runner coaching team to get clarity and structure on the six steps to growing as a runner with personalized strength, nutrition, and run plans. I hope their story inspires you that there is hope to either get over your running injury or to continue getting faster or running longer so you can continue to get in those mental clearing miles and enjoy your running journey again. Here is their inspiring story. Hi, my name is Emily. I currently live in Copenhagen, Denmark. I have been working with Coach Whitney in the Healthy Runner coaching community for about 18 months. Um, Since working with Coach Whitney, I've ran two half marathons, two full marathons, and I'm currently training for my third full marathon with her. I started working with her, um, not because of injury, but because I was feeling aimless in my running. I um, had just had a marathon canceled in spring of 2021 due to COVID and didn't know where to go with that. I heard a podcast by Dwayne um, about coaching and run plans and was intrigued. However, um, had a lot of doubts about doing it. I always thought run coaching was for individuals who were fast, um, looking for BQs or different things like that, not a middle of a pack runner um, like me. But um, I quickly found out that run coaching is good for anybody and the benefits that it has given me um, go beyond the PRs that I've had in races, but go, are setting me up to keep running. Um, I've been a runner for 11 years and have ran marathons and half marathons previously to working with Coach Whitney. And in each of the cycles, I either get burned out, um, injured, or I run the race and then I take a long break after and have to build from zero. Um, With the coaching community, I've learned the importance of consistency in my training, not only during training cycles, but also outside of training cycles. Um, I have learned the importance of strength training. As a busy mom of two young boys, I frequently find time for my running, but not so much for my strength training. And since making strength training a priority of my week, I have found Injuries don't happen as much, or when I do have pains, I'm able to um, get help from Whitney or Dwayne right away. And I have a physical therapist here in Denmark that I also work with who follows uh, many of the same beliefs that the Healthy Runner coaching community follows. So I always reach out to Whitney and Dwayne, and then we'll go see my physical therapist here. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from my coaching experience is confidence in my running um, and confidence in knowing and trusting process of a training cycle. Um, So I just can't recommend enough working with somebody in the healthy running community um, and investing in yourself to become the best runner that you can be with where you are currently at, which is, I think the best thing that these coaches do is They look at where you're at and they build those plans and they build on those plans each training cycle 
so that you can keep getting better and each training cycle has its own specific purpose. Um, so that is something I have enjoyed with this process and highly recommend if you're thinking about coaching um, and doubting it or wondering, should I do this? Should I invest in myself? Um, please make that investment. It's probably one of the best investments you can make um, if you want to continue running as a lifelong runner. I hope sharing that story inspired you and provided you some hope. If you want the one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team of experts, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our signature coaching program you just heard about, including other stories from runners who are just like you and were struggling with the same sticking points before they signed up for our program. Just head to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more and book your strategy call with me today. Now let's get back into this episode. Do you also include hill training as its own separate workout for your athletes where it's, you know, like, let's say you're doing someone's plan and they have maybe one day of like speed work, whether it is a tempo run or maybe an interval run, you know, do you have where some athletes, they're just doing like hill repeats um, as one of their quote unquote quality, um, which is always tough. There's a little uh, debate on that. Like every run is quality, right? Um, but let's say our harder effort run during a week. Do you ever kind of separate that out where it is its own um, harder effort run? Yeah. And hills themselves can be a workout. Like you can structure a whole workout around hill repeats. And I think it's really fun. We talk about, you know, there's all these different ways we can describe hard running, right? Like we call it a tempo run and we call it a lactate threshold run and we call it this or that. So yes, you can have a, a running workout that is put together where it simply involves you running up and down a hill. You can warm up, run up and down a hill a bunch of times, and then that's the entire workout. This is basically when this is programmed, I typically, um, this type of workout is in most cases going to be included for me and more of that skill building phase for my runners. If we're doing kind of these, maybe like 30, 60 or 90 seconds, um, you know, running up a moderate incline at maybe 5k effort, um, and not pace because 5k pace on an uphill is very different from 5k pace on a flat hill, 5k effort. Um, this would be more like an extended version of, of hard uphills, basically hard uphills are basically like a 9.5 effort out of 10. This would be more like an eight out of 10 effort. Um, and then, of course, if we're getting really specific and, and we're running a, hi, a, a hilly race, it may be beneficial to do specific uh, race pace, goal pace workouts on hills, assuming that the effort zone is correct and the race like it all makes sense that we're trying to do. And there's this is like this is the fun part because it's like there's so many ways one can put together a training schedule because I can imagine a million different ways in which hill repeats can be beneficial for runners, whether they're training for, you know, a 3K or a marathon, but just kind of the volume and what that workout looks like is going to be a little bit different. Um, I would say typically when we, for me personally, whenever I hear repeats, right, we're typically talking about slightly higher intensity. Like I do, you know, sometimes I'll introduce marathon pace repeats, you know, marathon pace work in mile repeats to my runners. But most cases when we're doing like shorter repeats, that's a pretty high intensity. I would never ask my runners to run uphill 
for two miles. That would be crazy. First of all, where did they even find that hill, right? And second of all, like, but you know, so we're, I think by by definition of what hills are, you know, we're probably gonna be limited to a couple minutes, maybe a half a mile for most people. If you are lucky, lucky to have an uphill mile available to you, tell your coach. I'm sure they'll be ecstatic to work that into your schedule if it makes sense. Um, but yes, it is entirely possible to devise a workout for a specific runner based on what they're training for, that is simply running up and down a hill uh, in a specific effort zone for a specific duration or distance uh, based on what they're trying to accomplish. Um, But again, I think it's one of those things where people get really kind of um, antsy on hills with pace and effort. Like I said, your 5K pace on a a hill is not going to be the same thing, thing as your 5K pace on a flat. And so what I see a lot of runners do, and this is a huge mistake a lot of runners make when they're including hills in their workouts is that they try to run the same pace up the hill. What did I say? Hills are hard. Hills add a layer of challenge. You're fighting against gravity. So what are you automatically doing that are running up a hill at that same pace? You are running, you are ratcheting up that intensity, sometimes a lot. And if I have a runner, let's say I want them to be around lactate threshold effort, one hour race pace effort, right? For their, I'm just putting this, you know, pulling this out of my hat, say for this specific hill workout. And they run their uh, one hour, like let's say they're a ten, one hour 10K runner, right? So their 10K pace slash effort is their lactate threshold pace. But they look at this hill and they say, I'm just going to run 10K pace up this hill. What are they doing? They're running harder than lactate threshold effort, right? So um, it's very important when we're running hills, unless you're in very late stages of your race-specific training and your coach is guiding you on like specific splits as we target different inclines, right? In most cases, running hills is going to be an effort-based endeavor instead of a pace-based endeavor. And it's okay if you're a little bit slower because I bet you your effort's going to be in the right place. And that's really the only thing that matters. Yeah, and that's definitely taken me a while to finally be okay with that because going from my house, I'm like one of those runners who pretty much like, I like the same route. Um, I'm pretty structured. I like it out and back. And I know exactly, you know, the distances right from my house. That's, you know, every half mile, I know exactly where I'm going to turn around. Um, even if I didn't have my watch with me, but you know, there's this half mile stretch that is always, always in the middle of my tempo or my threshold. Uh, pace run. So I have to go up it. Like there's no getting around it. Um, It happens. And it took me a while to really learn that because I definitely used the red line because I was locked in like 740 is my pace. Like I'm going to hit this like mind over matter, you know, and I was definitely red line and I was jumping way over like where I needed to be for that specific run. And I finally like, again, as we evolve, as we grow, as we learn, um, you know, I finally became okay with, okay, I know this mile, I don't care what it shows up in my, you know, Strava and my Garmin, like, yeah, it's going to look like I just like sucked at this mile until you look at my elevation, right? And, you know, just go on that effort level. So I think that's a very important point that you bring in that the expectations and to make sure that you're keeping, you know, this hill run, we'll call it, um, to its intended goal in your training plan, whether it's an easy run, whether it's a threshold run, um, whether it's your long run, and now you're, you know, trying to keep it within a certain effort level. So thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, is there any other specific things in terms of implementing hill training that you usually share with your runners that you'd like to share? Um, 
I mean, I think, you know, there, I think there are probably two camps of runners, right? The runners who run a ton of hills because they have no choice, right? And the, then there are the runners who don't, uh, who have to seek out hills, right? Um, and I would say, you know, for all of this advice applies for runners who run hills all the time. You probably just don't notice it as much, although you obviously hills are always hard, right? If you if you are a person who tends to run very very hilly routes, um, you may not notice these things as much because you are more efficient and adapted and economical on the hills, right? But that doesn't mean that you still can't use hills very strategically in your training. And so, you know, I mentioned before about if you're signing up for a race that has hills, learn what that course profile is. And if you can, I mean, it sounds it sounds nitpicky, but like people are always look at, you know, looking for that kind of like, what can give me the extra edge? And I'm like, well, besides spending a lot of time in your easy zone and making sure you're getting up sleep at night, if you really want to prepare as specifically as possible for the race that you're doing, understand the demands of the course, right? And where, like I said, where those hills are. So if you're running the New York City Marathon, for example, and you know they're going to be running over bridges, which have a fixed incline. I think the bridges are about 4% incline, and you're going to have all these like half-mile climbs and half-mile descents at 4%. Well, you dang sure better have hills like that in your training. Maybe even over-prepare just a little bit. Um, so, you know, don't you know, we have all this, this information to us now about course profiles and we can map things out on that my run and almost every race will have a really detailed elevation profile available to you on their website. I always like to also map it out just so I know what I'm seeing. Right. Um, that's the best way to prepare is to prepare specifically for the race that you have. So don't, you're not showing up and me like, I didn't know there were Hills. You should have known. Right. But I also want you to say, I also want to say this for runners, there's no reason you can't run a really fast race on a hilly course, but if the only thing you care about is running as fast as possible, running a flat course is going to be your best bet, right? So hills are going to make you faster, but running hills and training and then racing on a flat course is going to make you fastest, right? So I think sometimes when we think, but I trained, I trained so hard for that race. I ran so many hills. I did, I did strength training. I did all things I was supposed to do. Why didn't I hit my goal time? I'm like, well, you had a thousand feet of elevation gain in that race. Like, what did you expect was going to happen, right? If you, if the only thing we were chasing here was a time, we choose a different race, right? So, you know, understand what you're getting yourself into and what your goals are as it relates to what you're training for. Yeah, no, I think that's a, uh... That's a great point. And um, you mentioned before downhill running and how that is somewhat a little bit of a different animal. And obviously you had to consider a lot of the downhill in your Boston training. Um, you know, do you have any tips for downhill running or things that you've learned along the way? Yeah. Uh, over-prepare. I thought I'd over-prepared for Boston. I live in a very hilly area. I love running downhill. I really do. I can easily lose 300 feet in a mile and a half leaving my house. Like I was ready. Um, I probably didn't do as much eccentric strength work as I should have. And that was probably on me. So we we talked about like, oh, running hills will make you better at running hills. What can also help make you better at running hills? Strength training. Strength training helps make everything better, but especially running up and downhill. You essentially want to bulletproof your legs, right? But running downhill, like I said, yeah, 
takes a different kind of toll. You might think running downhill is amazing. I get this gravity assist. I can run so much faster, much lower effort. Um, But like I said, when you're running downhill, and I'm sure you can speak to this more as a physical therapist, your quads are working overtime to stabilize you, absorb those shocks, and they're doing it in an eccentric kind of muscle lengthening position. So they're being lengthened under load. Eccentric muscle contractions are really interesting because they actually require fewer muscle fibers to take place, but the eccentric contractions themselves are more damaging than concentric contractions. So it's very easy if you haven't prepared correctly to do something like we call trashing your quads, which is when you run a ton of downhill and then you basically burn out your quads and then the whole system kind of falls apart because one of your major muscle groups is not really cooperating and your legs won't work as efficiently on flats or uphills or downhills as you want them to, which is famously happens to a ton of people at Boston, including me and Kip Choge. So he and I have that in common. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if you have downhills in your race, you need to practice downhill running. And if you are choosing to run something like those Mount Revel races where you are like dropping off the side of a mountain, you need to practice what it's like to lose that much elevation on your runs. It is, uh, it's a piece of cake until it's not a piece of cake anymore. And then you realize you can barely move forward. So, um, any respect the Hills prepare for them. Like this isn't, this isn't magic, right? It's just science. It's just our bodies and us trying to do the best we can with our bodies. Um, but I cannot speak highly enough about the benefits of strength training to prepare you to run hills efficiently in your training and your racing. Yeah. And I think that kind of speaks to like, how do you get stronger at running hills? Um, definitely strength training. And I like that you brought up the point about eccentric, um, muscle contractions. And for those that are doing your strength training where, you know, again, you're doing more of every single exercise is bootcamp style, like, you know, throw a kettlebell around as fast as possible and you're not controlling anything, especially not controlling anything on one leg, like you do when you run, then you're definitely doing a disservice if you do want to master downhill running um, and really work on the control of the quads, as Elizabeth said, at controlling your knee coming forward. Um, yeah, that that's strength training. And it does take time. It takes weeks. It takes months. It takes years to build up the strength um, eccentrically, as well as the load to your tendons to prevent getting patellar tendinopathy, um, IT band syndrome, or even Achilles, as we had mentioned before, because those downhill running is also going to load the tendons more as well. So not only will the eccentric, you know, muscle strengthening exercises help from a performance standpoint where your muscles won't become as fatigued and trashed, but they'll also be protective for your tendons. So your tendons can withstand the load that you need for downhill training and downhill racing. Um, so yeah, some great, great benefits, um, there. And I always like to tell my runners too, of just, you know, avoiding the urge to lean back and try to break, right. And try to slow down because you think either it will help you or you're going to keep your pace or your heart rate right where it is. Um, you know, I honestly am a firm believer of like, I'd almost rather, the heart rate stay where it is and just increase your cadence and your turnover time. So I always like tell my runners, like pretend you're like the road runner, like really try to take that cadence to like the next level. And that's really what you should be focusing on going downhill is your form, trying to stay relaxed in the upper body, trying to let that arm swing go, you know, nice and efficiently and just get that leg turnover. Like just turn those legs over, try to kick your butt, kick your butt, kick your butt. Like as soon as your foot hits the ground, boom, boom, boom. 
pop it up so you're not slowing down and breaking and using that much force of the quads. But there is this balance, right? And, you know, I've never done Boston specific training and I've never run Boston, but people talk about like trying to slow down a little bit, especially in the beginning, right? And those like first five miles, you know, not running too fast because, you know, that's one thing too. So they're like, there's this balance is you don't want to like, just like, you know, sprint down these hills and get that turnover. But at the same time, you want to try to conserve energy and you don't want to break you don't want like the breaking forces so your muscles are being like overutilized i don't know if that makes sense or you have anything to add to that from your personal experience yeah it's funny you said you know it's it's basically impossible to overstride when you're running uphill and it's very hard not to overstride if you're not paying attention when you're running downhill um and something i hear from a lot of runners when they're when they're first learning to run downhill is that they feel like they're they lean back because it, they're afraid it feels like they're going to fall over or fall forward or lose their balance right so for me that's a sign that some if if a runner comes to me and says i feel unstable in any position right that's a sign to me that something is unstable, right? Something is not strong enough to do its job. So, you know, I think when we talk about the benefits of strength training, we have to make sure that we are doing like our, our whole body and our core work. And we're making our whole body stable on these single legs, because if you can harness the power of downhill running, it can be a huge benefit to you as a runner and as a racer. Um, the other thing I would say, though, is that I would caution my runners, especially if they if they are running hill running races that have a significant downhill. Don't run downhill at a pace you can't run on a flat surface, because I've seen runners say, oh, there was a huge downhill. So I took advantage of it. and I just ran as fast as I could. Look how fast I ran. Let's say we're going to pull numbers out of our hat. Let's say that they were trying to hit eight minute pace for whatever this race was. And they ran like 650 pace down this hill. And I'm like, that's not even your mind. That's faster than your mind. What business do you have running that pace downhill if you couldn't even run it? So because we talk about you know, obviously, if we we kind of get the the gravity assist and that it it takes less effort to run downhill, but there is this U shaped curve of we can overdo it, right? Because we want to make sure that we're not overexpending energy at any point during our race, but also that the the simple act of running that hard downhill we just talked about with your quads and the eccentric contractions you are incurring a whole bunch of damage and i hope that downhill was a sprint to the finish because otherwise it's probably going to come back and bite you in the butt yes yes um absolutely uh couldn't agree more and as we kind of come down you know the final stretch here if you can change one thing about the misconception about hill training what would that be um, I would actually, something that you said earlier, that hills get easier, they don't necessarily get easier, right? You just get better at running them, running them. And I think that's really something that as runners, I'll never forget this. I've been running for a couple of years. And my mom asked me, she's not a runner. And she asked me, she's like, so like when you do these races, is it, does it get easier? And I was like, no, it doesn't get easier. It's still hard, right? I just get better at dealing with how hard it is and I get better at running so I can run it faster. Um, so, you know, if you're in this place where you're like, yeah, I've been running hills for 10 years and they're still hard, that's normal. Hills are always going to be hard. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do them though. Right. And that it, it is part of the training, right? And that's why we do them. 
is to allow that body uh, to adapt. Um, so just kind of recapping here, um, you know, thank you for sharing this information in which we really kind of did a little deep dive on hill training and what hill training is, why we would consider kind of adding hill training in. And you talked about those benefits in form, economy, strength, the mental um, challenge and benefits that it provides. Um, we talked about, you know, when is the best time in our training week? We talked kind of race schedule, like when we should be adding these hills in um, and gave some, you know, specific examples of how to kind of program in um, some of those hill efforts. And then definitely talked about kind of um, how to strengthen our legs, right, for like hill training and what types of strength exercises we should be adding in into our training. Um, so this was uh, fantastic as um, I knew it would be. And, you know, thank you for providing your expertise. And it was uh, certainly great to catch up. And, you know, where can our Healthy Runner community uh, connect with you, Elizabeth, if they want to learn yeah. more about you and Running Explained? Thank you for having me. You know, I just had a second misconception that I wanted to bring up. Um, there is there is a misconception among some people that if you run hills, you don't need to strength train. And that is simply not true. So if you ever had a coach or another runner tell you that you don't need strength training because you run plenty of hills, they're wrong. I don't care how credentialed they are. They're wrong. Studies have shown <laughs> strength training makes everything better and it prepares you to run hills even better too. So yes, <laughs> it's my second misconception. Um, where can you find me? At uh, Running Explained. Uh, I am on Instagram. I have a website. I have a podcast, a Running Explained podcast. I hang out on Instagram most days and I have a ton of free content available for runners of all experience levels, whether you are brand new or been running for years and years and years. There is something for you. I guarantee you're going to learn something because I learn something new every single day about running. And if you're looking for more kind of specific stuff, I have a ton of other um, more in-depth content, group training, master classes. Uh, I call training plus pro programs. So something for everyone. I love it. And I, I love your second misconception because that was definitely a pet peeve of mine when I started running and I heard other runners say that, that, you know, they do hills for like strength training and it makes them stronger and that's all they need to do. Um, and just taking like the principles of specificity of training principles and like really trying to tie that into. And I'm like, no, but it's not the same as strength training. So I love that you brought that up because we didn't mention that earlier. Um, and guys, I knew you were going to love this episode. So if you want to learn more about Elizabeth, check out all the links that I have for you in the show notes. She's got amazing content. Um, I love her content. I love her podcast. And if you want to hear about kind of the peek behind the curtain I mentioned earlier, check out episode 148 on the Healthy Runner podcast. And thank you so much for all of you listening, uh, whether you're listening during a run right now, hopefully you're crushing your run. Maybe you're crushing some hills and you're learning something along the way. Or if you're watching the video version of this in the Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, I appreciate all of you. As always, runners, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running. Until next time. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.spark.com 
healthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at Spark Healthy Runner. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Spark Healthy Runner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for our one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.